In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, uh, we're going to just follow on from last week. We were in these verses, and uh, we're just going to look at it again, and God willing, next week we'll still be just around these verses. God answers impossible questions, and uh, this is the second part of that. God answers impossible questions. 2 Kings chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 9. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence in our midst. Lord, we pray for your help, for your anointing. Lord, give us ears to hear, speak to our hearts, stir our hearts afresh, fill us all with the power of the Holy Ghost, we pray. Lord, open our eyes that we might see. Lord, anoint our eyes afresh. Oh God, that we might see you afresh this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Second Kings uh, chapter 2. And verse 9, And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, or an impossible thing, Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, and he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him. They said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. The hard question that Elisha had burning in his heart for eleven years. Eleven years, this burning question was in the heart of Elisha. We go right back into 1 Kings chapter 19 to find that initial encounter between Elijah and Elisha. And the Lord had told Elijah that Elisha would be anointed in his place or in his stead. And as Elijah is going across that field, Elisha is plowing that field with the plowing twelve oxen. And at that moment, the mantle of Elijah rested upon Elisha. And I believe there's so much more in what happened there at that moment. It was Elisha's calling. It was the anointing of God that touched his life. There was suddenly an awareness to the purpose of God and the call of God in the life of Elisha. We need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need the fresh anointing of God at awakens the callings and the giftings of God in every life that's in the body of Christ. That fresh anointing brings you alive to the very purpose and the call of God. 
For 11 years, Elisha had that burning question in his heart. He had heard about this wonderful prophet, the prophet Elijah, who troubleth Israel, bold and brass, and stood on that mountain and seen the great revival of God. And that testimony of Elijah, like many testimonies we have heard over the years of men that God had used, like Duncan Campbell and, and Booth and Wesley and Evan Roberts and famous women that we read of in their missionary endeavors, that we look and hear their testimonies, their encounters with God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost that awakens the call and the purpose of God in their life. And Elisha had been touched by God. Elisha had been touched by God. And in that desire in his heart, for those 11 years, he followed that older man, Elisha. That was his desire. That was his longing. That was his purpose. That was his call in life. And as he's following his master those 11 years, there's a burning desire within him. Can I ask you this morning, saints of God, is there a, a burning desire within your heart for Jesus? Is there a longing for his presence? Is there a desire for more of him in your life? Is there a desire to be filled with the power and the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Is there a longing to be with Him? Do you want to know Him more? Do you want to encounter His presence in a deeper way? Do you want to encounter the joy of the Lord, which is your strength? Do you know of His reality and His power? And Elisha had this desire. And because that desire burned within him, we noted last week, and we'll not labor on it, but... We noted last week he was willing, you see, he was willing to leave everything for this one thing. And that's crucial in this walk with Jesus. That's crucial in the calling of God in our lives. Are we willing to leave all? You know, Brother Clendenin was asked one time this question, why did the first church seem to have the reality and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in greater measure than what we have in the 21st century church. And his response was this, because they gave everything, they got everything. It's so simple. If we're willing to give all for Jesus, then let me tell you, God's no man's debtor. He'll give us everything of what we need in this day in which we live. The psalmist said one thing, have I desired? He had one sole ambition. He had one desire. He was a man of one thing. And because he desired that, then the words of the psalmist says, and not will I seek after. That's what I will go after. Because I desire it, I will seek after that. We see in the life of Elisha, everywhere his master went, everywhere his master went, we looked at it last week, that's where he went. Everywhere he leads me, I will go. I'll not lift my eyes from him. I will look on to him. I will continue to seek him. And everywhere Elijah went, Elisha's response was simply, I will go. His eyes were on the prize. His eyes were fixed upon his master. And ever was a day like today where we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We must keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord. He never took his eyes off his master. But we're in a day of so much distractions. There's so many things want our attention. There's so many things that want to draw us away into other areas and other things of this world. There's so many things come into our life 
They're distractions from the prize and from the gold. Brothers and sisters, lift up your head and keep your eyes on Jesus in the day in which we're living. The seeking was because Elisha had a beginning. And at that beginning, he slew his oxen and burnt his plow. Now we looked at that last week. Right at that beginning, when that anointing comes, you see this whole area of surrender, when there's the anointing, when God touches your life, when you have an experience with God, it's very easy to give. It's so easy. When there's an anointing, when there's a a fresh touch, when you get a, a glimpse of Him and glory, it's easy just to surrender everything. And that's why we need the anointing today. Because when the anointing comes, it's easy to give. We're not holding anything because we see Him and He's altogether worth it. And so when that anointing came, we see that He gave all. He abandoned everything. Now Luke chapter 18, verse 28. If you follow these Scriptures this morning, Luke chapter 18, verse 28. The disciples had left their nets. They'd left their jobs. They'd left everything that they would follow the Lord. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 28, Peter said these words, Lord, we we have left everything and we have followed you. And the Lord said, verse 29, Verily I say unto you, that there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in the present time, and in the world to come, life everlasting. Now we know that this has been distorted by the prosperity preachers. I want to tell you something this morning. We're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because here's the reality. Jesus said, if you leave all for me, then in this world, in this present time, you'll receive manifold more, and in the world to come, life Everlasting. That's what the Lord said. I want to tell you something about that blessing this morning. Sometimes it may be financial, but there's so much more than materialism, isn't there? I mean, if that's your God and that's your world and that's what you're dependent upon, whether you have that or not, then you're going to be disappointed in the, in the heights and the lows of life. But if you have a financial need this morning, we know that God meets our need. Would you say amen? Has God met your need financially? So we know this morning that God's more than able to meet our financial need. But brothers and sisters, it's so much more than money. It's so much more in material possessions. It's knowing the peace of God and having a fruitful Christian life and walking in the Spirit of God and knowing the fullness of Jesus. That's much more than money. Would you say amen? You know, that is what satisfies the longing of our souls. So we see in this life, as Elisha and Elijah are approaching the Jordan, we're coming to a, an important moment in time in this life. They're approaching the Jordan. Elisha has kept his eye on his master for these 11 years. He has slain his oxen, burnt his ply. And Elisha, Elijah is about to leave and he's being reminded nearly at every stop by the prophets and the sons of the prophets. They're saying, well, Elisha, your master's about to go. And Elisha's saying, I know it, but I'm not going to take my eyes of my master. 
I know what's happening, but I'm not going to be distracted from the purpose and what God has called me for. And brothers and sisters, you're going to hear a lot of voices in the church today. You're going to hear a lot of voices coming into your life today. You're going to hear a lot of things that are happening. The Lord has warned us of these days of deception and false Christs and false prophets. And we've talked about it many times. And we'll continue to warn. And we'll continue to blow that trumpet loud and clear because the Lord has told us that we are not to be deceived. These things will happen. Can I tell you this morning, they are happening Can I also inform you this morning that there are many who have been deceived with these voices. I want to tell you, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes in His Word. Know His Word. Know Him. And you'll not be deceived. These voices are coming as Elisha's coming to the very end of it. And they're approaching. They're approaching the Jordan. What happens Brothers and sisters, and listen this morning. What happens when we take our eyes off our Master? When we take our eyes off Jesus? This is what happens. Our problems become bigger than our God. Did you hear me this morning? When we get our eyes off the Lord, then our problems become bigger than our God. You see, here's the reality. If you sit here this morning... In this room, and I'm going to go through a couple of things that over 15 years here on Balnehedge that I've encountered, but I want to bring the balance or bring the correction of that in by the Word of God. So if you sit here this morning, you've come through these doors, you sat through the singing, sat through the worship, sat through coming around the table of the Lord, but there is a predominant thinking in your mind. There is a thought process that's going on in your mind. Even though the presence of the Lord's here, the singing's been wonderful, songs have been uplifting, the testimonies have gone up, the thanksgiving, perhaps even you did give thanks this morning, but in your, I suppose it would be your subconscious, there's this predominant thought in your life that God doesn't really love me. You might be surprised to think that so many people think that way. And when that comes into the house of God, let me tell you something. Give your Bibles, follow these verses this morning. Romans chapter 8, it's contrary to the Word of God. When that becomes your focus, that lie from the enemy, then that problem becomes bigger than your God. So in Romans chapter 8 and verse 38, Paul writes these words. You'll know the verses very well. For I am persuaded, what does he say? That neither death... You can read it with me. Nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you say amen if you believe that? Now listen, when our mindset, that mindset becomes a reality to us, and that's our focus then that problem becomes bigger than our God. But this affects everything. It affects how we live. It affects how we pray. It affects how we walk before the Lord. And so we begin to see the problem that's bigger than our God, but it's contrary to what God has said. Maybe someone's sitting here this morning, 
and all the difficulties of life and the trials that everyone goes through, and there's a sense within you that I have you ever have you ever heard this, or maybe you've ever maybe you're going to be honest enough to admit it this morning. I don't think that I'm going to make it. Have you ever heard a Christian say that? Have you ever thought that maybe you maybe you don't want to admit this, but maybe you've been in such a rock and a hard place that you have thought in yourself, I don't think I can make this. And when you become the focus on that, that problem becomes bigger than your God. But here's what Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 says. If you follow these scriptures, because it's always coming back to God's word. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. And you can read it nice and loud with me this morning, just to stay with me. Philippians 1 and 6. Paul writes saying, Being confident of this very thing, that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Would you say amen? When God began the work, here's the great news this morning. God's going to finish the work. That's the work in us. So we have a confidence in the Word of God. Some might say this morning, you know, when you become focused on these things, the problem becomes bigger than your God. Let me tell you, if, if you're identifying with any, you're not the only one. So important that you don't think it's only me. It's not. And maybe there's someone this morning saying, well, I don't feel that I can go on. I can't get the victory in what I'm living in. Let me tell you, friends, the devil wants to make your problem bigger than your God. Here's the truth. God's bigger than your problem. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. If you turn over, it says these words, Second Corinthians 2, 14. And read it nice and loud with me this morning. Stay with me. Second Corinthians 2 and 14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us. What's the last two words? In every place. Wherever you find yourself, and whatever you find yourself in, we have a promise that God will always cause us to triumph in Jesus Christ. In every place, wherever we are. So when we come to these places where we're thinking this way, and that becomes our focus, this affects how we live our lives. It affects how we pray. It affects our belief. It affects our devotions. It affects our church life. It affects everything. And the enemy wants us to focus on the problem, not on the answer. And who's the answer? Jesus. There's three of us believe it. Who's the answer this morning? Jesus. Praise the Lord. So some may even believe that the devil has the ability to destroy me. The devil has the ability to destroy me. But John chapter 10, if you turn over to hear and know of our assurance this morning in Christ, John chapter 10 and verse 27, again read 27 to 29 together. John 10 and 27, Jesus said these words, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. What an assurance. No man and no devil 
can pluck you out of the Father's hand. So when we begin to focus on the negative and the problem then becomes bigger than our God, that's what the devil's master stroke is, that he wants our problem to look bigger than our God. And it's a lie from God's word. And so we may sit here this morning and say, well, I'm in a place of financial difficulty. I don't know whether I'm going to make it. I don't know whether I can make ends meet. What's coming in isn't enough to supply what's what's required to go out. We've seen it on the board this morning. Well, the Bible says that my God shall supply all our needs according to His. Now, this all seems very basic, and I hope you're not bored. But this morning is really important because it might surprise you how effective this type of thinking is in the body. Listen to me, it's so important. Because in the body of Christ, as members, and we looked at it on Wednesday night, when we come together, and when we come with faith in our hearts, and we're going to believe for the impossible. Isn't that right? We're believing for our unsaved loved ones. We're believing for a move of God in Balnehens. We're believing against these laws that they're trying to bring into our country. We're believing for a miracle financially for, for the provision of the church and so forth. And there's so many impossible questions that we're asking. But brothers and sisters, if in that body there is that type of leaven that affects the time when we come to pray, it affects our faith when we're praying for the impossible. We're believing for the impossible. And so when the problem is bigger than our God, we may pray but, you know, there's such a thing as unbelieving prayers. Because we pray because it's right to pray, but the faith really isn't in our hearts to really believe God, that God is a supernatural God, and there isn't anything too hard for Him. So when we hear these things, like I remember many years ago, I met a minister in the town. I'll not mention his name. He's gone now, and there's been many ministers away. Don't try and work it out. But there's been many ministers come through, Balna Hench, many, many, many come through over the last few years. But I met one, and he said to me on the street one day, he says, Balna Hench, he's a minister here, called by God. And he's Balna Hench, he says, Balna Hench, God's forsaken Balna Hench. It's a God-forsaken place. And there I'm only here a couple of years, and I go, wow, this is getting exciting. If the man behind the pulpit believes that it's forsaken, brothers and sisters, what hope is there even amongst the pews? God's not forsaken Balna Hinch. That's why we're here this morning. God's got a purpose for Balna Hinch. God's got a plan for Balna Hinch. And we're believing for at least 500 souls to be saved in Balna Hinch. And I just believe I got my cup too small. But I'm believing... I'm believing for great work in Balnehens. It hasn't even begun. And so when we begin to think the wrong way, then it affects our ministry, it affects our prayer life, it affects our faith, it affects our churches, it affects everything because our problem's bigger than our God. Let me tell you something, what the Lord says. Jeremiah, and I've seen this hanging over all walls, in Bibles, highlighted on cards, Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. You probably don't need to turn to it this morning. But if you will turn to it, we're going to read it together, what the Lord says. Jeremiah 33 and 3. Let's read it nice and loud together this morning. 
Jeremiah 33 and 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Are you hearing that this morning, brothers and sisters? I'll repeat it. Call unto me, and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Now, I'm here to believe for the great and mighty things that we haven't seen yet. And I pray that you're here for the same purpose. We're here to believe for the impossible, not the possible. There's a lot of things we could do. Listen, I know there's a lot of things we could do. We could change things. We could easily have a couple of hundred kids in here on a Saturday night. We could easily change things around. We could easily create something to attract the crowd in. But that's what we can do. I'm not interested in what we can do. I'm interested in what God's going to do. And that's the impossible. That's the supernatural where He by His Spirit begins to draw our unsaved loved ones, our young ones, a youth of Balnehens that have been wrecked and riddled with suicide and immorality. But when the Spirit of God visits a town by His power, and He begins to work in the hearts of men and women. All those seeds that have been sown, brothers and sisters, there is a day when we reap, and that's the harvest that God will bring in. But we got to believe Him. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, just turn over again, I want you to read these verses with me. Ephesians 3, verse 20, says these words. Ephesians 3, verse 20, Now unto Him... If you got there, read it with me. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. What's that power? That's the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in me. So we need this morning to have a fresh vision of a big God that's able to do more than what we can think or, I, or, or ask. When our eyes are on the problem, it's going to affect how we pray. So Lord, this morning, maybe I could say this corporately for us all. Lord, would you forgive us for allowing our problems to be bigger than you? Lord, we repent. I'm doing this corporately for us this morning as a church and a body. Lord, we are sorry for bringing you down so low that our problems have been bigger than you. Lord, would you forgive us as a church? But we're going to come and we're going to believe you that you're able this morning to do more than what we can think or ask. Would you say amen if you agree with that prayer? And so may there be a purging out of unbelief. May there be a purging out of focusing on our problems and not on the answer, which is Jesus. Now, Jesus said these words, Matthew 7, verse 7, you'll know it again off by heart. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. You can say it out with me. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be. That's what Jesus said. Now I want to touch, before we're asking this morning, because I want us, uh, if the Lord permits us this morning, just to have a, a time of prayer just at the end of this message. And I want you to exercise the gift that God has given you. We've been looking at that on Wednesday. So God has given every person who's in the body here a measure, an ability by the grace of God to function in the body. That's why it's important you're here. You understand what I'm saying? It's not just about attendance or or ticking a card, but it's the body. 
So there's three things I want to touch on. I looked at them, one of them last week, important about asking. Number one, John 15 and 7, if you turn over, is what Jesus said. John 15 and 7, if ye abide in me, now abiding is crucial. Abiding, you know, when we get saved, we have been translated from one kingdom to another. And in that kingdom, our source for everything is Jesus Christ. He's the vine and we are the, what are we? We're the branches. And so we're going to draw of our source. Who's our source? Our source is Jesus. How does it come? By the Holy Spirit. He brings everything of the revelation of what Christ has done on the cross and reveals them to us. So to abide is to be saved and to be drawn from that source, which is Jesus. So here Jesus said, if ye abide in me, and my word abide in you, just read this out with me, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Many people believe that this morning. Do you believe it? I want to read it again. What a verse it is. If you're abiding in Christ, listen, this is what Jesus said, not what Tim McElrath said, what Jesus said. If ye abide in me, and my words are abiding in you. Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Not a powerful verse. Not an awesome thought. Is it not an awesome reality? Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, the important thing here is abiding. You're abiding your source. You're drawn from Him. That's your source. That's the sole source of your life. You're not drawn from any other broken cistern, any other thing in the world. The one source of everything of what you are is Jesus Christ. Now, this is important. Brothers and sisters, we can replace all of this today. We can have all the activity. We can change it all about. We can spruce it all up. We can make it all attractive. That's just, you know what that's for? It's to fill a vacuum in lives who don't want to draw from the source. That source is Jesus. And so we have to do all the entertaining today because Christ isn't enough to them because He's not their source. But if He's your source, if He's what you're drawn from, then this is what the Bible says. Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Number two. Number one's abiding. Number two is an important, very important one in the church, especially today. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19. Then we'll go back to Matthew 5. I just want to bring you to the Word. I know I'm going methodically through this, but it's important that I do. Matthew 18. How many times have you heard this quoted in a prayer meeting? Jesus said, Matthew 18, 19, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, what did the Lord say? It shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. So I'm looking someone, I hope I find one, but I'm looking someone to agree with me this morning for souls. Now, would you agree with me? Would you stand with me? Would you believe with me for the souls of men and women, for your family, for my family? I want to agree with you, brother. Would you agree with me? And so we agree together for the souls of men. I want to believe for a revival and bound the hens. Brian, would you agree with me this morning for a revival? Would you agree? We're agreeing as God's people. 
You see what's happening here? There's agreement. There's, there's the unity of the brethren. There's the bless. God moves when there's agreement. So when we're praying in agreement, God's saying, I'm going to bless that and I'll answer that. So can we agree for the provision of this building behind us? Would someone say, would you agree? I know she will. Would you agree? Praise the Lord. Would you agree, James? You're free to say no, I know, but you will agree, won't you? No pressure, but we're free to agree this morning because these are the things that are on our hearts. Now, which is impossible, but we're going to agree for the impossible, not the possible. But here's a crucial thing. Matthew chapter 5 says this, and sadly, and we're part of this, we're not exclusive from this, we see this throughout the body of Christ today, it's riddled with this, and that's why it's crippled. In Matthew 5.23, the Lord says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, remember God has given every one of us a part to play. And you remember that your brother has ought against you. Leave thy gift before the altar. Go thy way. Be reconciled. Then come and offer thy gift. I would say that you'll agree with me this morning. Especially the broader church in, in Ulster. It's riddled and it's wrecked with unforgiveness. We can pray. I mean, we could pray 24 hours a day. And, we, and that's a good thing. I'm not, but brothers and sisters, see if we're sitting in our hearts this morning and there's unforgiveness. Then I'm going to tell you something, and I'm sure you've heard it, but your prayer and my prayer is going no further than that ceiling. And I can stand in that chair and I can scream and I can swing from bar to bar down this room and back up again. And I can cry out and I can pray and I can say, God, we need a revival. But let me tell you something. If in your heart or in my heart there is unforgiveness towards another brother or sister, then we are wrecked because our prayers have no effect. And so what we say this morning is, God, we're not pointing at her or pointing at him. I'm saying into my heart this morning, God, I want my heart to be right. If there's anything in this room or any person who's offended because of me or because of what I've said or done, intentionally or unintentionally, brothers and sisters, would you forgive me and I'll forgive you? Because why? I want to believe God for the souls in this town. And so the church is crippled. Where's the power? Where's the reality? Here's the reality. Underneath the cover and underneath the facade of the church today, it's running rotten with hatred and anger towards brothers and sisters. That's the truth. That's the truth. And I could preach a three-point nice sermon, have you in and out in 20 minutes, and say, Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt, and everything's wonderful. But friends, we have to preach the truth. If we really want to see God move, if we really believe we're on the edge of eternity, and souls are about to be plunged into hell forever, that's the reality. I wasn't going to share it, but I will share it. I feel prompted to share it, and I've shared it with Nikki. But brothers and sisters, I've been having very vivid dreams, very detailed dreams, and I'm always careful with dreams, visions, and prophetic messages that aren't based upon God's Word. They have to be subject to the Word of God, have to be subject and judged 
But listen to me this morning. Friday night, whether it's a vision or a dream, I'm not too sure, but it was vivid. I want you to hear me. The Bible says immediately after the great tribulation, immediately Jesus said these words, suddenly in that dream, I found myself right in the midst of that great tribulation, right in the midst of it, right at that very point. The Bible says that the sun will no longer shine. It will be darkened. Suddenly I seen the darkness all across, everywhere that I looked, it was black. There was ice, like volcano ice. It was, seemed to be blowing all across the surface. It was dark. And it says that the moon will be turned to blood. Then it tells us very clearly, this is immediately after. I believe this can happen at any moment, by the way. I believe this can happen right this morning. Now there's a darkness. There's a fear. The atmosphere was electric. It was it was so dark and the wind was blowing and I was standing in the midst of this and I'd seen that the rapture of the church had just taken place. God's people had just gone up to meet the Lord in the earth and I'd seen this darkness in the clouds. The Bible tells us that the sun will refuse to shine and the moon will be blood red and the stars begin to fall from heaven. That means the whole cosmos the whole cosmos will suddenly stop, suddenly stop as Christ comes bursting through the heavens for His bride. But what struck me and woke me out of that dream? Know what it was? I heard the cry of those that were behind. I heard them cry, Jesus! Historically, Jesus! Gee, because suddenly they realize their rejection, their rebellion, their turning away. Suddenly they cry out, Jesus! As I heard the cries of voices screaming uncontrollably, hysterically, and fear, because they suddenly realized, they suddenly realized Christ had come. And then I woke I'm going to tell you I didn't go back to sleep. The reality, immediately, suddenly, of Christ coming. There's a whole lot more in that than I'll not say. But let me tell you something. The cries of men and women and young people crying out Jesus. You know, you may not cry him today. You listen to me. You will cry out his name one day. But I hope it's not too late. Is it time to waken out of sleep? Is it not time if we believe this? You know, we have all the theologians. I know someone might say to me afterwards, well, my eschatology, listen, I'm not really interested this morning. It might be different. That's okay. I respect you. I hope you respect me. I don't know whether you're a post, mid, late, whatever. I don't really mind. But brothers and sisters, God's about to come. So we know the reality of where we are. It's time to get right with each other, surely. In the shortness of life, in the light of eternity, is it not time to get right? We can ask, but we've got to ask right. 
We abide. Our hearts are right. And lastly, in that asking, we can ask amiss. And James 4 and 1 says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? You lust, you have not, you kill, you desire and have, cannot obtain, you fight, you war. Yet you have not because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. Why? What are you asking for? Why do you ask these things? Because you ask it to consume it upon your own lusts. I just want this. You know, it might sound right, and I've seen this many times. I really want to see a move of God, but I want to see a move of God so I can be a pastor. I want to see a move of God because I can be, I want to be a leader in the church. I want to see a move of God because God's going to use my great ministry. God's going to launch me. I want to tell you something. I want to see a move of God for the glory of God, full stop. So much is being asked because somehow in all of that, this is about me. I'm going to tell you something. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. And so there's so much asking because they want it for themselves. And it's distorted the whole concept of prayer. We are right in asking, but there has to be a context to the ask. And 1 John 5 and 14, just a few minutes I'll be finished. 1 John 5 and 14 says these words, This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, praise the Lord. And if we know that He hears us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to say it again. If we ask anything according to his will, this is the confidence that we have. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. We can ask with confidence. Let me ask, are you abiding? Is your heart right? Are you asking just for to consume it in your own lust? If you can put the right answer to those three things, then you can come with confidence this morning. They ask anything in His will, knowing that He hears us, and He will answer our cry. Well, how much do you mean? What I'm going to tell you is, brothers and sisters, the exceeding abundantly more than we can think or even ask. It's an awesome thought. If we can just click out of the religious mode and allow the Spirit of God to move us just a wee bit further, <laughs> might be hard, but just to draw us out a bit more. Brothers and sisters, we could fill this hall with prayers today within our hearts with faith and we could see God move in such a way that this land hasn't seen Him move in 50 or 100 years. You for real, Tim? I'm for real. Martha got this revelation. She's criticized sometimes, but she got this revelation. And I want to close with this. John 11, 21. You know the story so well because Lazarus, whom Jesus loved, the brother of Miriam Martha, had died. The Lord delayed his coming, but then he came. This encounter, this interaction between Martha and the Lord is a profound interaction because Martha certainly had revelation, awesome revelation. John 11, verse 21, Martha said unto the Lord, Lord, what did she say? 
If thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. I mean, that's, that's so simple for us this morning, isn't it? Lord, see if you're here, it wouldn't have happened. She knew that her answer was Jesus. She knew that he needed to be there in order, in her mind, and her revelation. I need you to be here. She had a limited revelation that if Jesus had been there, would have prevented death. But she didn't grasp the eternal purpose of God to which, I want you to listen this morning, we are in that revelation today. So here it is. Ephesians 3 and verse 9. She knew he was the answer, but he was contained within a body, a flesh, fleshly body, a human body, the God-man, Jesus. What she didn't know what was going to happen through his death, through his resurrection, through his ascension. Ephesians 3 and 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now under principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. What was about to happen was that Christ in that body, thank God, would die on that cross, be buried, would rise again on the third day, would ascend up into heaven, and he would sit down at the right hand of the Father. Then, when his body meets together, here's the manifold wisdom and eternal purpose of God. So when the church meets together in this fashion, this is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, she thought and knew, if you had been here physically, Lord, this wouldn't have happened. Here's the revelation. Lord, where the twos or threes are gathered in your name, where is he? Well, where's Jesus this morning? Where is he? He's right here. What did she say? If you had been here, Lord, this wouldn't have happened. Where's Jesus today, brothers and sisters? He's right in the midst. The revelation was to come, the glory of Christ and his people by the Holy Spirit. But then she said something that sadly, I believe we have lost or do not see the revelation of too often. She says, but I know, verse 22, that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, what did she say? God will give it thee. Whatever you ask, right at this moment, she knew, Jesus, whatever you ask the Father, right at this moment, I know he'll do it. Have we this revelation in the church? That Jesus, as our great high priest, who has ascended up into heaven and has sat down at the right hand of God, whoever liveth to intercede for who? For us. That if we ask anything at this moment to Jesus, and we know that Jesus hears us, that God would do it on the basis of Jesus Christ? Do you think that that's the revelation that's gripped the body of Christ today? 
Do you think that's what gripped your heart this morning when we come with all our problems, difficulties, and possibilities, knowing that we have a man up in the glory whose name is Jesus, who lives and intercedes on our behalf, and if we ask anything, that's why we ask in his, whose name? Not Muhammad. In the name of Jesus Christ, with a confidence in our hearts that he hears us and God will do it. And Martha says, I know if you ask right now, Lord, he'll do it for you. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, saints of God this morning, listen to what I'm going to say very carefully. If you ask anything in the name of Jesus Christ this morning, with faith in your heart, in the context of what we've covered, God will hear you, number two, and God will answer you. Many people believe that. It's hard to break the, the rut, isn't it? But I want to tell you it's according to the Word of God. I'll close with this. This is the fifth closing, I know, but I'm closing. We have a Jesus, our Savior, our God. We have Jesus, our Lord, our great high priest. He's our high priest, not the Pope, right? He's our great high priest. And he's in heaven this morning. What assurance then? What assurance can I give you? What assurance could I give you this morning with all the impossibilities that we all face? What assurance could I give you this morning that he'll hear your prayer and that he'll answer it? Is there anything that I could, any assurance, anything that I could show you that would give you a confidence that he hears us and that he'll answer us? Because we want to have that assurance according to the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by. So if you've been hearing this morning, hopefully there's a faith in your heart because of the Word of God. See in these baskets this morning, there's some, some notes. I want to show you something. It's so simple, but it's true. I'm going to put it back, don't worry. But on this Bank of Ireland note, you're going to see something I can just about read it. But it says these words. I promise to pay the burr on demand. How much? How much is on that? Ten pounds. There's a promise on this note. Do you know what that means? Years and years and years ago, when before us, notes and the currency was backed up by gold coins. So you could have walked into the bank with your £10 note. And you could have went to the counter and the guarantee on that note, I promise to pay the burr on demand £10. You could have exchanged £10 for 10 golden sovereigns. That was the guarantee. And you could have come out with your 10 golden sovereigns, or it had been five, or if you were really wealthy, your 50 or your 20 or whatever, or maybe beyond that, you would have got that. That was what the promise was. The bank promised that. Can I tell you something, brothers and sisters? I know if you put your tithe in there this morning, I can tell you it's not written on a note. But if you put your tithe in this basket this morning, it's written in that word. You brought your tithe into this house. God says, I promise you, I'll open the windows of heaven, what he'll do, and he'll pour out a blessing upon you that you can't even contain. And there's so much more. 
Our assurity in asking this morning is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've sung about it this morning. That's the guarantee. We don't come. We have access not by means of religious rites or how you look. We have access into the Holy of Holies by the blood of the Lamb. The guarantee is that Jesus is up in glory. And we have a confidence this morning. And we have a promise. The promise of the Holy Ghost. That whatever we ask in his name, he'll hear us. And he'll answer us. Our confidence is not in how we feel. But our confidence is in the blood of Jesus. So we're going to pray. Just for a few moments. We're going to pray. We're going to get our hearts right. We're going to believe God. We're going to wait. If you need to go, it's fine. You can slip out. That's no problem. But what we're going to do is pray this morning. Because you have needs, I have needs, we have needs, and they're impossible needs. But we come this morning to one who's faithful. And his blood is our assurance as we come. And if your heart's not right, or if your problem's bigger than God, then you put that right with God. But no, we're going to do, we're going to pray. Now I'm looking for someone to agree with me. And you know what? I want to agree with you. So when we bring our petitions, when we petition God, when we open our mouths, and if you can, I know some prayers can't be audible because they're so private, that's fine. But if you bring your petition, do you know what you'll hear? You should hear in a church, you should hear, amen. What's someone saying? Judith, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not just saying amen because it sounds good. I'm agreeing with Judith because she has prayers that she needs answered. So when she prays and if she can make that audible, do you know what I'll do? Judith, I'm behind you. I'm going to agree with you. That's why we say amen. It's not just because there's Pentecostal above the door. It's because we agree. So be it. And so we agree together for the impossible. How many people want to believe for the impossible? I do as well. Would you stand with me this morning? And if you have, the Bible says, lifting up holy hands, we're going to pray. If you have, you can put them like that, you can put them like that, but we're going to pray together. So would you stand with me this morning? And then we're going to believe God together. I'm just going to ask just someone to lead us out in prayer, just as the Lord leads. Maybe in your heart you're already burdened to pray and bursting to pray. I pray you are. But would you pray, just lead us out this morning. We'll spend just a few moments to pray for all these needs that we've brought before you. But I just encourage you, brothers and sisters, let's believe God for the impossible. Let's pray together. Amen. Let's thank him this morning. In Jesus' name.